It's, it basically started when I was uh, when I was a kid because my mother used to be an opera singer at the Hamburg State Opera. I was in contact with music all the time. And then the usual recorder lessons and piano lessons at a very young age, which weren't that uh, successful, actually. And um, at one point, I started hitting everything, like drumming on, on everything. Well, my parents gave in and uh, bought a drum set. That was it. Did you play like in bands or no, was no, it like proper percussion? No, I was 10 years old. So there was no, no bands involved at that time. Okay. And for a year, I had normal private lessons percussionist from the local symphony orchestra and then i applied for the for this program at the at the academy of music in lubeck which is called institute for school accompanying education or something like that at the music academy in lubeck you can you can start having lessons when you're very young yeah okay so not not a limit but you have to make an entry exam you have to play and you have to Audition. Yeah, you have to audition, right? Yeah, Thank yeah. you. So then I was in the in the music academy, and the thing is, if you're if you're studying percussion, especially at that age, you don't have the instruments at home. So I spent my days in the music academy to practice after school. So I was in contact with uh, with regular students all the time, and I think I visited my first musicology seminar when I was thirteen or twelve or something. So you started that, that young, yeah. So that was pretty early and. There was never any doubt about what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, so you really decided you decided young then, right? Actually, like- I decided much much earlier. I, I when I was a really small kid, I always wanted to become a conductor. Okay. So, and then then I wanted to become a percussionist, and then I decided no, 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 I want to become a composer. What what made you <laughs> what, what what made you go from those three things though? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, making music when you're really young is very important, and it's quite satisfying to make things sound you know yeah i was drumming on everything anyway so it was obvious i wanted to be i wanted to do that all the time Mm -hmm. and i think when i was about it's hard to say when it really started but i think the the first uh, double measure line at the end of a piece which i wrote was when i was 12 or something and my interest in contemporary music grew all the time and at some point it was it was just clear to me that i and you had exposure to all that you like you your interest in contemporary music grew that means you had lots of exposure to it at the age of 12 not which is lots hard to of exposure but um uh, not, not lots of exposure but um i mean there was some some stuff going on in, in lubeck at the academy obviously and i had good teachers that answered my questions and pointed me in some directions there was some occasional contemporary stuff in hamburg at the opera also but not so much in the beginning i didn't Hear so much in the beginning of that. But in, so, what composers? Who were your guys at the age of twelve or thirteen? Ligeti. Okay. Full yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, there's something about that. Yeah. Same thing for me when I discovered mm-hmm. his music. I was that. I was around your age, and I was like, "This is incredible." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you went. You said you started a musicology class at thirteen. Yeah. I mean, like in the normal education, you have these musicology seminars. No, I had to take theory seminars. No, but in college, but I don't think I was ever forced into a musicology seminar. Those were for, those were for musicologists, you know. I mean, like music history and this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Right? No, I thought you meant like at the age of thirteen, they like put some Adorno in front of you. And no, no, not like, Adorno. No no no, 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 no. Okay, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah but Fitzner. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was one of my first experiences. Uh, was the. Uh, this thing about the musicalische impotence, musical impotence. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. article by Fitzner. Yeah, I can yeah, remember. Yeah. I can still remember. It was about, uh, I think, Berg and Fitzner. And there's this, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know for sure, but I think Fitzner analyzed the Träumerei by Schumann and said, this is, this is just crap. This is just easy listening crap. And then uh, Alban Berg replied um, and showed him that it isn't actually. How does that, <laughs> like, okay, I, I, how did, how does that type of, well, maybe, maybe maybe you can answer this. Maybe you, it's impossible to answer. But how does how does at the age of thirteen were these musicology classes and putting like even though there was kind of like easy theory and learning about history and everything, did that affect your output at that age? Did you now was studying musicology and all these theories was that learning a standard to which you had to measure yourself by, no, or were you just I, going? I don't, I don't think so. I I didn't study any theories really. I mean, I heard of all of this, all of this uh, stuff, and I learned what was going on. And, and, but I think the most important thing was that I learned uh, how things are connected with uh, with other art forms and everything. You know, 
one of my one of my gurus or not 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 gurus but one of my um, idols at that age was Stravinsky and all these uh, connections with Picasso and Cocteau and everybody and this was really interesting for me. Oh, you looked at you looked at the history of what was going mm-hmm. on and then you're like, okay, so you know you could see ideas that are parallel to one another happening in different forms. Maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did that do to you? Well, at that time, I just wanted to write <laughs> ballad music and operas. Okay. All right. Okay. So it just made you love Stravinsky. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Great deal. Yes. I still do. I mean, he wrote great pieces, undoubtedly. But um, what I admire mostly, I think, is the ability to, to forget everything and to start anew at the age of, I don't know, 70 or something, when, when, he, when he tried new things. And to always, uh, to never stick to one thing, because it is the, the truth, you know, but to be able to, to be flexible. And, Have you ever had stick. a shift like that yet? How, how old are you? You're 30, 31? 32. 32. 32. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's a shift like that, but uh, when I was around, I'd say in the time between 18 and 20. One probably that was a great shift because up to then I I used to to write this these neo expressionists thing I uh, used poems by Gottfried Benn and Else Lasker Schüler okay I, I don't know if you know them <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um and wrote uh, um, song um, orchestra songs you know like okay for a singer and orchestra did and, you get them played yes I did. How did you get them played at that age? When I was 17, I think 17, I founded the Ensemble for Contemporary Music at the Lübeck Academy for Music. You did? Yes. I mean, you created, you, you took the initiative and you created yes. the group. Okay. Yes. So, and I was, and I conducted them too. So we had this opening concert and we played Webern Opus 24 and strangely Bach. Uh, piano concerto, <laughs> and um, a piece by a colleague wait, of mine. Wait, which Bach? The 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 piano concerto in D minor. Weird idea for ensemble for contemporary music. But yeah, why, but what are you going to do? You're seven. Yeah. You're seven. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how to program and, stuff yet. Uh, and you only know about ligety. <laughs> Right? Not entirely. Yeah, but you know uh, what I mean. But like, at, yeah. but I'm saying at at that level, yeah, I'm yeah. also guilty of the same thing. You're, you know, you don't you don't know about scenes and what's happening. Yeah, not not you know, at all. Not yeah, at all. Like really. the the new is for a person who's that age is actually just quasi recent history. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like new was a guy that died ten years ago. Yeah, you know? and yeah. he was actually when you're that age. I think he, he didn't. Uh, he was living. Yeah, we still. Yeah, he, yeah, he was still living, but. Yeah. Again, there's newer things happening, even though he's sure, still writing things sure, at that yeah, time. Yeah. Anyway, so you um, and a piece of a colleague of mine and my my orchestra songs. So that was the open opening concert of the ensemble, actually. Okay, okay. And I, but I think I was no, I was 17. Yeah, I must have been. Yeah. God, that's really young to organize an orchestra. Like, was it a whole orchestra that you organized? I, I think it was like 30 or 35 people. I think. Not, not really sure. And something, you were, something like that. And you were capable of doing that at seventeen, well, like I as did get, it. getting. I had, um, it worked somehow, yeah. No, I mean that's impressive. Like at you know at at, at seventeen to already start taking the initiative in a big way to like manage to get an orchestral piece done. Mm-hmm. That's diffi- That would be really difficult for me now or ten years from now. You know to actually. To I think organize now, all that. now for me it would be much more difficult than than at that time. Because the the music academy is really in, in Lübeck, it's really small, and I grew up there basically. I've spent I've spent my time from eleven to I don't know nineteen or something. Okay. I spent in the music academy in Lübeck, and yeah, I knew everybody. And but it's not that difficult in Lübeck because if if you're if you're sitting in the mensa for an hour, you just happen to know everybody, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> because everybody is coming uh, along, and you you just get to know everybody. And that's not not so many people. They were interested in doing things together so we did it so have you always been the type of person to take i guess so to to take the initiative like that or kind of like okay now it's time for me to create my own opportunity and do my own thing or not sure really (laughs) do you you organize a lot of stuff or i'm I'm talking about like the i think there's two types of composers but i think there's composers that kind of sit and wait for commissions to come in and they're Mm -hmm. kind of focused on their own career and trying to 
make it so they get so lots of people give them permission to do something is how mm-hmm. I think about it. And then there are people who just kind of organize an orchestral piece of songs <laughs> when they're you know and and I, I feel like that sometimes I feel like that's actually it has to do with like DNA. Uh-huh. Like personality traits, you know. Uh, I'm not sure about DNA, but maybe maybe I oscillate between them sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes okay. I'm this miserable uh, small guy who's just sad that nobody's going to call him and say, "Hey, you have a commission for an orchestra piece." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, on the other day, I just have you have to just do it yourself, you know. You do a lot of stuff. Besides, I don't now. actually want to write an orchestra piece. But. Neither, well, yeah. Like, is there is there a reason why? Because I also don't want to write one. I hate saying that because then I feel like the like the next day I'll get a call. Yeah. From like an orchestra, I mean, like you um, want to do it. I'm like, oh god, I cannot. Just, I feel like I. The thing is, if yes. you actually got a commission, I think that you you would be stupid not to do it. Really? Why? Because I mean, if 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 somebody uh, somebody's going to call me tomorrow, do you want to write to write an orchestra piece? I'm quite sure I won't say no at that instant. You know. <laughs> but would you say yes but, at that instant? No. Okay. I probably say I have to think about it because um, I mean until I've I was like twenty or something the orchestra was the thing for me. I mean my whole musical thinking was about the orchestra basically. There are some some uh, some orchestra pieces in my <laughs> in my cellar, you know. Really? Yeah, I'm not going to show them to anybody. <laughs> why, why, not? why are they that bad? <laughs> Who cares though if it's uh, history? If it's uh, an embarrassing <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, because of all of the all the experiences with the opera and with symphony concerts and so I was never I was I was never actually interested in chamber music until I was twenty or something and that changed dramatically and I also have some for instance this this apparatus that you that you have to to write for you have this incredible inflexibility of the mass of people trying to do things together which of course can be um, can be dealt with in in certain ways. At first, that's a uh, that's a deal breaker for me, and then there's this political issue that I really don't like the the concept of sixteen people playing the same thing and following one leader, and there's this other group of fifteen people playing the same thing following one leader, and if you divide them, there's still this dictator guy in front who. Oh, really? Tells, you so so you I break it like down that, to like you I don't, don't like that hierarchy. I don't like that at all. I don't yeah. like that at all. Still, there's this. I think Spaniers at, at one point said there's 80 people who are experts at, uh, at what they're doing, and I I don't want to refuse to to use that. There are there are 80 experts experts. Yeah, they are highly trained experts in what they're doing, and I can get them all at once. I don't want to. How do you say verzichten? To let that the opportunity slip. You know, it still feels wrong. And then there's this uh, this thing of, uh, I mean, you you work for a year at least, for a decent piece. And uh, then you have like three rehearsals. And if you, if you have bad luck, you have to, to uh, run and catch the, the conductor so they can make a few comments. And that's it. Mm, that's not the way I want to work. It's hard to break down that thing into individuals of people you can deal with one-on-one because there's so mm-hmm. many of them and they're very conservative. And I mean, this is a rant that I do all the time on this thing, actually. I'm constantly complaining about orchestras. You don't like that hierarchy of the conductor everybody following is it you don't like the rep you don't like what that represents or you don't you just don't think it works well when people are making music do you know what i mean like it, do you it literally works, think like that good. sounds bad well, i mean it, it works for for a certain type of music right for classical mm-hmm. music that's you can play classical music without a conductor until a certain point yeah but if um i don't know I, i've never i've never um, i'm not sure if it's possible to play Mahler symphony without a conductor is it just the conductor there? Is it is it literally like kind of the metaphor of everybody following mm-hmm. one person? Or is it actually like what is physically happening, groups of people kind of doing things in a coordinated fashion and very kind of traditional idea of music making? Like you're not going to get an orchestra to improvise or, you know. Which is usually not, not a thing that I'm interested in anyway in, in my pieces. But I think it's a mixture of a couple of things. One of them being the this conductor guy who's the the dictator. Another thing being this this whole structure of I don't know how to say it in English deans like they the, the players are are paid by the people in the orchestras say they don't say I have to play the I have to play Mozart tonight but they say I have deans you know I have deans I have I've uh, I have to go to work. If the people don't want to play the music, they shouldn't do it anyway. 
And I mean, if you're if you're working with an ensemble, you have an ensemble piece. You can't be sure that everyone is really content with what they're doing at that time. Maybe they just don't like the piece. Maybe they they just don't like your piece. But you still have a relationship to them as a person. You know? Yeah, and there's not and you can talk to them, and that's not a problem. You can you can have conflicts, and but you can settle them. With an orchestra, that's just impossible. Would you go for also ensembles have conductors? Would do I mean obviously you yeah. don't have a problem if you're writing a no, piece for exactly. Mosaic and there was a conductor there, but yeah. that's kind of the same hierarchy. I think it isn't actually because um, with an ensemble, every every player usually um, can talk to the conductor in, in the sense that they can make suggestions or you know yeah they can talk. And in an orchestra, that's almost impossible. Imagine in a rehearsal, everybody everybody is going to to say no. Let's make this this way, and let's make that okay, the other way, yeah, and yeah. maybe we should wait there a bit, and then we start over. And you know, imagine eighty people in a dis, in a like in a basic democratic discussion about about the way they they want to perform the piece. That's not going to happen. You know, there's actually there's <laughs> one there's one orchestra that does do really? that in New York, it, they, and they they play a lot of Mozart, and it's a small it's a smaller orchestra. Obviously, it's not this yeah. big bombastic yeah. like Mahler disaster. Yeah. You know? I mean, if if you have if you have twenty people, maybe you can maybe you can do that. I I don't know how many people. The name of the orchestra is Orpheus. I don't know how many people are mm -hmm. on there, but they they recently did a, some new music stuff, and I think it went kind of okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but normally they do Mozart and you know and like Bach piano concertos. But again, like the stuff they do, they can't really do gnarly impossible seven eight three eight. Mm -hmm. You know, seven in the space of ten or something like mm -hmm. that. Like I mean, they just they won't be able to do that. Try to play soccer without conductor. I mean, that's, yeah. not, that's not going to happen. Okay. Maybe with a click track. A whole orchestra with a <laughs> click track. And there's just, something, there's just something about looking at that. Yeah. You know, they've been like, this is just visually stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not... There's something that aesthetically doesn't work between this really old tradition and like earbuds yeah. like it just, I, just don't, I just don't buy it for some reason yeah but the thing is like if it's a new music group again it's ensemble mosaic ensemble modern they have earbuds in i'm like that's okay because that's what they do yeah. you know mm -hmm. like this makes sense to me and it's yeah. like it's not it doesn't seem weird yeah so give me an example of okay so that's a bad collaboration that you try and avoid something that you were into when you were younger as everybody was because they have an inflated sense of what a composer is and that's what they want to be yeah so what's a good collaboration for you now what do you like somebody gives you something you're like this is exactly what i want to well, do the, and the people well, i want to work well, with the dream is to have players uh, interpreters that are i mean not interpreters instrumentalists yeah that, that are um that start collaborating before the piece is finished for instance i have some materials that i that i really want uh, want to have recorded before i continue working on the piece because i I need to know exactly how it sounds. I, maybe I want to play with them electronically. Maybe I want to to make cut-ups or whatever. So the the best thing that could happen is to have an ensemble that is involved in the process of the piece before the piece is finished. Not in the sense that they actually take part in compositional decisions. I want to write my pieces alone, basically. <laughs> not even not even this trial and error thing, but uh, like a production process. Of a piece, like in the studio, not in the factory, but in like in the studio where you have, in the pop studio where you have multiple musicians coming in, playing different parts, and step by step you create this piece. And know? it's yeah, mixing and matching them and having workshop sessions and yeah. you record samples and then you work with it and not samples. I'm I'm not entirely convinced by this whole e-player thing that is going on right now. I'm I don't like this. I don't get this idea of e-player. It doesn't work for me. You know what you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like recording samples, samples. taking I mean, taking a look, digital look audio wall, workstation. Glissandi all over the wall, all, all the time. It's all glissandi. Yeah, a sample it just won't do it. I mean, you, there's a way, there's a way to get close, I think. And okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not is one of those. I'm yeah. not interesting to get close. I want I, I want to talk to the player. I want to change. I want to to try around. I want to to work with people and not not with a, a sample machine. I mean, I would love to work with people. I mean, because I, I do the samples now. You mm -hmm. know, this is something in the past year and a half that I started doing. And, the, and it's not because I want to get closer to the computer. It's that, you know, you can't have instrumentalists there when you compose for four hours just waiting for you to like no sure be like okay try this try this try this mm -hmm. so what i do is i have a session where it's like a whole list of things i want to try like pages of things and i know i can then mix and match the computer is like my ensemble or the closest i can get to mm -hmm. having an ensemble there 
but that's what the relationship is and that's kind of seem seems what you're also going for if you're working with the maybe i have to step back a bit i'm it doesn't look like i'm going to write pieces without electronics anytime soon it's always about the, the mixture and the relation between the instruments and the electronics and maybe i need to electronically edit or manipulate something the part of the instruments not in real time but beforehand like okay, just yes. like like, a, like an electronic derivative of the material that is based on the recording of what the instruments are going to play yeah yeah so that's uh, that's not going to work with a simulation you know you work a lot with field recordings and All electronics and i read your I don't want to say like manifesto-ish thing on the web. Uh, the mission statement. Let's call it a mm-hmm. mission statement because that's not manifesto has other connotations. Yeah. So which which are you which manifesto are you referring to? The one on your I mean the one the one I'm going to probably link to um, when I put this up. You work with a lot of field recordings in a very specific way with a very kind of specific set of goals. And well, take your time too. I just threw like this huge thing at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so if you need time to like take it apart, then yeah, do that. Maybe we should. Well, the the first thing is that I'm I'm constantly collecting recordings, so I'm not running around searching for one particular sound, and I'm I'm not actually I'm not so much interested in the special beautiful sound object that I can find somewhere. Yeah. But um, I'm interested in the sound that is going on around me anyway. So, like, I mean, you're kind of lucky right now because they're renovating a flat downstairs and they started at ridiculous at a ridiculous time this morning. Yeah. And they do it all the time. And uh, that's gentrification happening all around me all the time. I moved in, into this flat, I think, two years ago or three years ago, two and a half, something but like that. And we're in Neukölln right now. Yeah. But like, and yeah, yeah. since then, it's been... I've been in Neukölln before. I've I've lived um, actually it's only 500 meters from here, but it was it was not that bad over there. It's it's a constant thing. There's constantly some some place that is going to be renovated. It's incredible. I mean, at, at some point they have to be finished with every flat that is around here, right? Yeah, but, uh, but, but that, not I mean, yet. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my starting point is the the moment when I go to the desk and start writing a piece. And the question that I'm asking myself, what, what is there, actually? What is, what is already there? And that's not, not very much apart from the noise that I make and the, the noise that people make around me. So that's what I, what I start with. So I'm interested in collecting the acoustical collateral damage of, uh, of what is happening here and around me. Do you just walk around with a Zoom recorder? Waiting um, for something? Do 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 designate a time today? I'm gonna hunt for sounds. That's or exactly do, what I don't do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that, yeah, that sounds like that's exactly why I asked. So, do you just walk around with the zoom recorder? Do you just happen to pop upon something that exactly. that you're like, oh, that's interesting? Then you'll record it. Yeah, but again, this uh, this is interesting. Is uh, it's not so much about the sound, but most mostly about the situation. Or the context, or the or things that are happening. Okay, so it's got to be it's got to be a sound that's attached to some other larger idea, like gentrification, or it doesn't have to be that that explicitly political. I mean, some things are also just uh, sinking in the in the archive, and I'm not sure if I'm going to dig them up again. Some small sounds that are barely barely audible on the big street, some broken electrical thing that you don't know what it is, but it makes some noises on the, on the wall of a house or something. I mean, yeah, I, I recorded a lot of lots of uh, war machine, like uh, drills, 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 and, and uh, all these kind of things. Lately, because of that's actually what's going on here.
Why do these political implications uh, interest you? Um, at first, they don't. At first, it's interesting that these things are happening around me. Then I can ask, okay, what does this actually mean? And this is not something that is... Um, I'm not the only one who is experiencing those things. That is, that is happening to, all, to everybody who is, who is living there. And I just happen to be here. And so I just happen to be surrounded by noises of uh, flats being reno renovated. You know? Once you get your hands on these field recordings, are not maybe immediately remarkable, mm -hmm. but still are interesting because of the context that they have in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, there's nothing really that interesting about a drill. But there's something interesting uh, about go, tons that, of drills. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but what I'm saying is like the actual pure sound in itself. It's not something that pops. It's not like a beautiful bird singing or or you know some interesting, really kind of complex other sound that you might find. Well, I, I it's, think it's, that's. It's, it's I think interesting that's, in the. It's interesting mm -hmm. in the context what that means, which means that it's interesting because for a number of other reasons and outside influences there's a lot of construction happening in Neukon right now mm -hmm. but i think that's not true i think the, i think for a number of reasons the drill is more likely to to get a place in my piece than the bird and that's that's not because uh that's not only because of the political ramifications or the political implications you know i think there's a there's a this has a, has a great deal to do with the with the sound substance also the ugliness and uh the thing not being mainly made for for the sound actually yeah. and and all these all these things once you get a but nothing recording. against birds i love birds i really do you're so and why are you going to be so anti bird now <laughs> birds are going to be mad that only birds listen to this podcast so it's going to be a bird with headphones on actually i have a big bird bird book upstairs here <laughs> don't don't try and placate the birds you've made them mad already as soon as you step outside they're just going to it's going to be bombed by shit <laughs> Uh, so what do you do with these recordings once you get them? Mm -hmm. First thing is I, I, I try to, to tag them. I try to describe them with tags that are, that are most likely that I can find the material when I'm searching for. I tag the material so that, I can, so that I'm able to find materials with certain characteristics when I look for them. You see, and a tag can can be anything, just like so. You have so pulse, many crescendo noise, anything. Yeah. So, so you don't have, so you have so many samples that you can't even keep the database in your head. Oh, this thing I recorded the other day would work. You have to search, and it was some recording you took four years ago that would work well in this. Yeah, in I mean, I'm, I'm working writing. with this kind of concept since five years now, and actually, it's not so many recordings that actually that are active in the archive. I think it's like a couple of hundred, but it starts it starts growing over my head. At one point, yeah. I was I was uh, I was asking myself, why am I doing this? I know exactly what's in the what's in the archive. But the thing is, at at, at a certain point, you just can't know everything. And also, there might be some aspects of of recordings that that are not so obvious. And um, but if if there is a pulse in there some somewhere maybe it's very maybe it's very quiet and there's some something else happening on top of it but there is a pulse if, if i search my archive for materials containing pulses then it would pop up and maybe that brings in, in maybe this brings a whole new context into my selection of materials that i wasn't aware of that would would make a great connection to some, something else Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So you. So yeah. So it's um, at first it's all about the it's all about the tagging and to sort it into my archive and then I do transcriptions. Okay. Of most of them, sometimes even without a without an instrumentation in mind or without having a piece where this material is going to be a part. Of. So when you collect these recordings and you tag them and then you start writing a piece and then you go back into this archive that you have to mm -hmm. get the recordings. So the way it works, it, it's music. Field recordings. You never get an idea of a piece from a field recording? Yes, I do. It works in both ways. First of all, the, the instruments that I write for are like a, like a catalyst for the material selection. So if I know I'm writing for, for a violoncello, there are certain things that I can do with the cello and certain things that I certainly can do not. The cello brings some, some ideas to my mind, which, which I would like to do on the cello and, and, and so on. So in a way, the, the instruments that I'm writing for determine the kind of materials that I'm very like I'm most likely to use and um, 
But it could also be the other way around. I come across some, some recording and I think, wow, that would be perfect for a bass clarinet. I almost think of these things as being very provincial. Someone in Neukon would actually, it's like almost a better piece for them mm -hmm. than it would be for someone who lives in a quiet neighborhood that has already been gentrified or is will never be gentrified and mm -hmm. they never hear those sounds before. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least there are some situations. I mean, there are situations that people who experience the same thing can relate to in a, in a more deep way than people who, weren't, who just weren't there. That's not so important, I think. It doesn't matter if you, if you live in an urban environment, you know what a car sounds like, you know, and you can, you have a, you have a, you can relate to the sound of a car. But there That's are local sounds, like, I mean, the most simple example I can give is uh, New York sirens versus European, or like um, the American ambulance sound versis the European ambulance sound, Okay, right? but that, that's very, that's very basic. But your field recordings would, I think, resonate in the same way, like, oh, those bore machines, those drills again, you know? Mm -hmm. To someone who's living here, like, it would mean more to them than somebody who's like, oh, I know what a drill is. I'm still not, not sure that's uh, such a big deal, actually. I mean, there are more things happening in a piece than just one kind of material. It's also about the, the clashes of different contexts and about perspectives of listening. So this, this is, I'm, I'm not making a documentary about Neukölln, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But in a way, you... In a way, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, you do. I mean, that's how I was... That's how I was Think about very like uh, field recordings that are not connected to just pure nature sounds. Like obviously, if you're doing a bird, unless it's the unless this bird only exists in Neukölln, mm -hmm. like then it's not really as much as a documentary about a place. But if you're but if you're like, oh, this place is being gentrified and has drills all the time, and you write and you write a piece based on those drills, I'm just using this as yeah. an example. Yeah, then you 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 are capturing a moment. Anyway, so so what is the experience you're trying to give to give people if it's um, not a type of documentation? This is a multifaceted thing, right? And one thing is that I'm using transcription to make a perception of something audible for some for somebody else. So if if I if I transcribe something, I make a decision about what I'm going to transcribe and whatnot, and what uh, what sound is becoming an event in the score and what sound is not. I'm filtering all the time. Consciously or unconsciously, I'm filtering the material all the time. And if you hear the transcription in sync with the, with the original recording, you can actually hear what I think is significant in this recording. Unless you have very basic material, in most cases, there are very many um, perspectives you can take to hear, to listen to a certain recording. You have some continuous noise, you have some drones, you have some little percussive stuff you have speech language you have all kinds of stuff and all of this could be focused on so it's all it's always a, um, a question of perspective i like this idea of of uh, having recordings from very different contexts which are compatible on the on the physiological layer on the phenomenological layer so that you have this strange coincidence of things that sound similar but but mean some completely different things and i like to play with that or also obviously the the, the thing with the in, the classical instruments playing found objects like drills or some something and what i what i basically do in the pieces is to create fields or maybe i, I like i like buildings metaphor like i i create a building that you can that you can walk into and you get a certain grip or a certain image of the way that, that somebody experiences the world around him or herself. In a way, this is about conveying a perception of things that are happening around me. And since they're not only happening around me, this is something for other people as well. Do you have pretty concrete intentions and expectations of what you want the listener to take in? Because if you're like, I love this part of the field recording, that tiny little part of the... Like that, that ring after a hammer hits a nail, mm -hmm. you know, the two metals hitting together. Yeah. I like that after effect ring. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have an idea for this instrument combination of my new compound series. I'm being yeah. you right now. And I'm, I'm going to approach it that it, it enhances that uh, ring okay. in the field recording. Um, That's I something that 
you want the audience to get. That's an intention that you have that you want to get. Oh, I really heard the ring after in the strings in comparison to the hammer hitting nail. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recordings that I work with are of a certain length, of a certain duration. And I would say roughly there's nothing below 10 or 15 seconds. It's not about detail. It's not, not, um, it's not about microscopic little things, but it's more about, about a general approach to something that is happening. Like um, one, one of the examples that works really well is this, this recording in a train that's, uh, that's waiting, actually, and I'm, I'm sitting in the train waiting for the train to, to start going, and you have all kinds of stuff. You have uh, noises from outside, you have the train doors that are opening, so you have a change of, of the room, actually, because so, uh, at some point you, you, you can hear what's happening outside. You have people talking, you have t- people walking, you have people reading newspaper... Um, crumbling some plastics with, with the with the sweets and I don't know, lots of stuff going on. I can decide only to to pick one of those layers and to focus only on on one of those layers and to ignore all the other things. Maybe that's explaining a bit about, about this perception perspective stuff. And also, I'm I'm really interested in um, in ways of listening to stuff that's that we think is familiar to us, even other music. It's not all about these concrete, uh, this music concrete uh, found found footage thing. And th- it's not about uh, like cling the bloom stuff. It's it's not not about the the profane things. Could also be music. Doesn't matter. It's and it's all about different listening perspectives. Is this part of a bigger goal that you have of how you want people to start listening to music? Is this like a different type of perception that you're trying to? Maybe it's not a goal, but it's an idea. Yeah, okay, but it's also an idea. You're also part of this music collective, right? D11? Stock 11, yeah. Why did I say D? I don't know. See, I can't remember names. <laughs> it's terrible. What if I was slowly going insane and you would find out week after week that Dan's memory <laughs> get, is getting get worse? worse all the yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A year from now, I'm just drooling in front of him. He's like, are you okay? Like, That's the week's interview. It's just a composer asking me if I'm okay. So stock 11, you seem to always have the same mission statement of like taking everyday things and emphasizing them and bringing them to the world. And, you mean uh, with uh, stock 11? Yeah, 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 yeah. With the group, like is this, I'm just asking, is this like an almost like a new kind of school of thought that you're, you know? No, not at all. And that's, uh, to be honest, that's, that's a misconception actually, because everybody is, uh, when, when it comes to stock 11, everybody's focusing on this, uh, this concrete material stuff. Well, that's actually not not the thing. That's not not the focus of what people at Stock Elf do. I mean, we are all dealing with concrete material all the time. That's not special. That's you mean your group or like everybody? Everybody, yeah. And I mean, in in Stock Eleven also. I mean, more or less everybody deals with this. Well, that's that's not our thing, not at all. It's just one thing that's easily to pull if if you want if you want to write something about Stock Eleven, you know. Okay, I don't know. I don't know much about. So, what's your? What do you do? Why are you together? Because we like each each other's art, and are interested in in understanding what what the other ones are doing, and we like to work together. That's the thing. So it has nothing to do with like any type of. Um, we don't have a manifesto. We at one point we we discussed if we if we should try to write one. Like, what is the thing really, and what is our aesthetic position? What is the point here? But we are absolutely sure we would certainly fail. It's not possible. Why would you fail? Because you don't... We, we can't... We are 11 people and it's impossible to find the one aesthetical position, the one point that is the thing. You know, it's just not happening. It doesn't exist. It's much easier... It's always easier to say what we don't like. But And there certainly is... There is something there that is common to, to, all, to all members. And it, especially after the concerts, we, we have a strong feeling. It's strange and we don't really know why, but these things kind of fit together very well. But... It's very difficult to like pinpoint it. There's there are certain things, but none of them are the central idea. Like a certain awareness of uh, of things that are happening and taking them seriously. Like uh, there's a stage, this is theater all the time, and you, you can't just use an instrument and not know that that, uh, that this actually means something. And like a certain level of reflection about the the instruments. The, the situation in the concert, the concert itself, all, the, all these kind of things. You don't have a common aesthetic position 
but you put yourself through the same level of scrutiny. Maybe you'll come up with a different answer, but you've both thought about this one very specific thing mm-hmm. that yeah. you think is important to think about. Actually, can we make a short break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to go to the loo and... Okay, let me pause it. I'm glad you took a break because I tried to check my email. And then, of course, like, remember when things not, every, people used to not have passwords? Now everybody knows to have a password. Yeah. Like five years ago, you could do a password. I was just, I was just looking and there was nothing with that without a password on it. But someone named their, the, know, the, the, the server. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Y or the password or their screen name, whatever. I can hear you having sex, <laughs> which is, the most passive aggressive <laughs> move I've ever do, do which one of your neighbors wrote that? Do you know it's who did my, that? It's not mine. No, I don't. I have no idea, and I have no idea which which they uh, or who they are referring to. Actually, <laughs> God, there's there's one uh, that I actually feel bad for the couple actually mm, who yeah. like check it and they're like, oh, really? Is that an issue? Yeah, but there, there, sometimes there's also a number called Mach mal die Musik leiser. Turn, please turn the music down sometimes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Some People great, communicate like, in, the, in this way, you know? I didn't know. I never, I never <laughs> even thought of it though, but I guess, I guess these things can also serve as like a little message board for the yeah, other neighbors, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> please turn the music down. But that's so, that's so passive. It's, it's insane. Just like some cranky old man who finally figured out how to use the internet. He's like, he can't, and he can't, he can't get his email set up, so he can't like actually email to everybody. So this is the only way he can get his word out is just to constantly change his, uh, his username. Name, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you having sex. That's awful. So okay, let's get back to what we were we Stark were talking about. And, yeah, Stock Eleven. Well, so what you're doing right now is you're you've really stuck to these these series of pieces. pieces yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And um, it doesn't feel like I'm being stuck. No, I said stuck too. There's ah, a difference okay. I, between. I okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuck, no, not stuck is an insult. Saying that you're trying to get out, and you can't. And yeah. you're. And what I'm saying is that you dedicated a lot of time to this exactly. idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why choose to be a composer that writes in uh, a bunch of pieces within a series of a singular idea? And will it ever expand outside of that to, to something else? Yeah, some, to, yeah something else. Mm. Well, first of all, it's not a series of pieces based on the same idea. It's um, every piece is completely different, and the the things that are happening in the pieces are completely different from each other. So, in that sense, it's actually not a series of pieces because they are not uh, they're not so similar. On the other hand, I just have the feeling I'm not I'm not at all finished with this. I mean, this this whole archive thing, uh, this whole Zettelkasten idea is um, is I'm still in the beginning. It will get even more exciting for me. The more, the, the bigger the, the archive is, the more the, the more flexibility it brings to me. It will will be more fun. Is there a limit even. though? Like are, limit? At, at, at any point, you're like, I've exhausted this. Well, if I really have, if, if I have the feeling that I'm that I'm starting to repeat some patterns, you, you know what I mean? Not yeah. like bum ba da bum, but like patterns in in the way I work or things that I apparently do over and over and then it's then it's dead i would say but isn't that it's such a weird contradiction though because it's i think that's a great attitude to have but at the same time if you don't have that attitude then you it's, it's almost like you become an inconsistent composer i'm not exactly sure in which in, in which sense you mean that well, if if you have the same methodology every time, if you're repeating yourself over and over again, if you don't have that, if you don't have that sense of consistency, then the result of the piece, how it sounds, is vastly different from piece to piece. Mm-hmm. For someone who's looking to commission some, you know, for an ensemble who's looking to commission people, ah. I think they would probably rather have something that they know what they're going to get than something that, oh, mm-hmm. this guy does some something completely different every time. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. But apart from the fact that you can be pretty sure that I'm going to deliver a piece uh, with feed recordings in it, there's few assumptions that you can that you can surely make. Even I mean, working with feed recordings is not bound to the concept uh, of compounds, not at all. I might I might uh, write a piece tomorrow that's based on feed recordings that has nothing to do with the with the concept of compounds whatsoever. Do you think you'll always are going to be interested in? presenting a close-ended piece like that would you ever venture out because you're using field recordings which is 
very environmental, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you do installation work? Would you also be interested in cr- not only creating a sonic reality, but an entire environment that would open up? I did three years ago in, uh, in a project that's called Umverteilung, which happened in a small city near Stuttgart, Ditzingen. It's the, it's the, the notion of um, taking wealth from wealthy people and yeah, maybe distribution, I'm not sure. Dis- distribution of, of wealth, maybe, yeah. I came into this little, really small town, and I got to know it, and I, what I did was to take sounds from one place and to put them in another place, and preferably um, places that had some political and social significance that were opposed to each other. No, like like there's a, there's, a, there's a shop where poor people can buy groceries, very cheap. It was kind of difficult because they want to be anonymous. So, and I took this, for instance, this this recording uh, from this shop and played it back on the in the bank. So, where people deal with money all the time. Yeah. These these kinds of things. It's not an installation in like in a in a gallery or something, but in, in, it's an installation in the in the city, and not in not in the city, but in a, in a town, a small town. Were you happy with the result three years ago? Yes and no. Unfortunately, I didn't have much time to to experience the installation itself myself because I had to to run around and uh, repair stuff all the time, and it was only for two days. But I think some things went quite well, but it wasn't well received by many people. What, what did they say? Um, they destroyed it and stole it and complained. What did they complain about? Well, like the did, did, noise. They... <laughs> oh, okay, so they didn't. They weren't offended by the political idea. Uh, some were. I had this. Um, I recorded a, a prayer in a, in, a, in a mosque, and put it on a very prominent spot on the on the main street, so that you could hear the the song every couple of hours, and very loudly. And that was not very received at all. Some people shouted some very nasty things. It was part of the uh, Zukunftsmusik Festival three years ago. You must have known it was going to be sure. incredibly provocative mm-hmm. and that anybody with half a brain could predict that you were going to get those screams sure. and shouts. Sure, yeah. And it was perfect timing because just a, a day or two days before the, before the actual installation took place, our president said something like, the Islam is also part of Germany or something. There was already a discussion about this going on, so it was perfect timing. What are you talking about? Are you talking about Merkel said that or uh, the president, the right? President so, Wolf, so Wolf at, at the time, time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, before that real estate debacle yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly is that something you always try and do is to provoke something political no but you were also talking about it was i mean it it had some some other some other meaning because uh, there is a mosque in ditzing which is outside of the of the inner circle of the town in a cellar basically it's a remarkable thing that in ditzing every minority seems to have their own house it's weird but the mosque is somehow it's really outside of the of the main in a circle of the of the town, there are really many people coming there. Many people, okay, yeah. many people belong to the uh, associated with that mosque, and it's just ridiculous that they have to meet in a cellar. You know, it's a big cellar, but it's a cellar. The house that it was that it was played back from, it was empty, and there was some legal fight going on between the neighbors and some brewery who wanted to open a beer garden there. So it was actually already a discussion about this place, what's going to happen with this place and all the noise and everything. So it was, it was not only about the Islam and, and how it is treated and perceived in the, in the society, but also very specifically about this spot at that street in this house. This is a small town, right? Yeah, very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically, it's that small town mentality, like they just don't want disruptions. There are really nice people there, but probably, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're nice people till they steal your sound installation because yeah, and, you provoke and them. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, shout really nasty things about Islam just because they're really they were. Yeah. It was it was racial yeah, at the very absolutely. least. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I just happened to 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 witness one of those, or one of two, one or two of those uh, comments. But there's, I'm, I'm sure there was lots of this stuff going on. What what do you mean? Like they did they write in, or it was just you happened to be there? And I just happened it? to be there when somebody shouted across the street. Jesus, yeah. well, maybe I shouldn't say Jesus, but <laughs> 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 yeah. that's crazy. Why don't you go for more political? Was this the only time you did that? Mm-hmm. So far, what made you go for it? Because there are composers that do that. 
because that's what inspires them. Mm-hmm. What made you go for it this time and not other times? What sent you off to say, I'm going to do something really provocative? Well, and- if I'm going to, to go in a city and do an installation in the open space, I'm doing it full on, obviously. And I'm, I'm taking everything I, I can. I mean, I had commercials played in the church. Actually, I was in Ditzing and working on the installation. Uh, I spent a couple of weeks there, obviously. And um, I had the, the TV running and there was there's some advertising channel. That's not, nothing there but advertising. And it was really ridiculous. They're going to give you something for free if you... If you buy that and that, you know? Okay. But they yeah. are, obviously, they are only talking about what you get for free. and not about Those are called infomercials. Infomercials. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Um, that was just ridiculous. Probably one of the most provocative things I did that was to play that particular recording, that infomercial in the church. That's pretty provocative. Like, but And the implication would be that church is also like an infomercial or it just ma- it, it just forces people to try and make that connection between it does. relentless selling of an idea and a promise to... I mean, I'm reading into it now, but you were talking about gentrification before, and like this is also a very strong mm-hmm. political idea, but you don't use it in such a provocative way in your... In my pieces. In your pieces, yeah. yeah because your non-installation the, stuff. Well, maybe... Um, I don't know. never really thought about that this, this way, because um, in my pieces, I'm I'm more on the... On the acoustic side of these things, although I'm absolutely conscious about this, uh, there's, there's nothing purely acoustic. It's always about Hannes Seidel um, recently said it in such, such a nice way. It's all always about a uh, combination of uh, listening and knowing. But in my pieces, I'm I'm more on the on the acoustic side, more on the well, more interested in these in this clash of context and all these kind of things. And you could you could say I'm behaving myself, whereas when I'm going to the street. When I'm going out in the street and make out in the street, well, you have to. You have to. Why do, but why do you have to behave yourself? <laughs> right? Yeah. Why can't you misbehave in that then? Uh, in in that context, mm, I do anyway, but not not on this not on this um, obvious level, maybe. But the, the the same question is there then. Like, mm. why not? Why not be provocative and well, put being, it in their face with the, with. A sound installation, but, but not but, concert uh, this, music. Um, you have to see. I, I didn't. I didn't go to Ditzing to to be provocative. That were just. That's that's just two pairs of I think thirty two of sounds that were um, transferred, and other ones are much less provocative. And it's. I don't want to provoke anybody. That's not what I do. I wonder if it has to do with the. Well, probably. Of course, it does. But the actual town itself. Mm-hmm. I think. Pushed you in a way, I think, or I mean, I'm assuming pushed you in a way that made you want to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. But normally in Berlin, maybe that aggravation, like that very kind of suburban aggravation is not there. Cultures are clash more and people have less of a problem with one exactly. another. Yeah. So, it, I, doesn't co- so, thing, so was... it doesn't make you like if you ha- maybe if you had to write a purely acoustic concert piece in this small town, then it would still be provocative. Because that small town, it's like that's there. That's what you're listening to. You know, that's how you're getting your material to put in your, you know, bank. It would still make you go in a provocative direction. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. When I went to Ditzing, I mean, the the concept was, or the idea was to to find more, uh, like social unbalanced pairs. Yeah, like like something really for where poor people are that that have a great misfortune in their lives and they're not very lucky and and rich guys. All these 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 different unbalanced. Things that that are not that difficult to find in Berlin and in Neukölln especially. Yeah. But in Ditzing, you have to look very hard. I was told there would be one homeless guy. I didn't see him. You know what I mean? <laughs> he so- found a home. That's great. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> Someone gave him a house. Yeah, probably. Hopefully. Oh my God! So you'd be like, there'd be one. There was one homeless guy. It was that type of? It was that type of town. Pounding. Yeah. Mm. We've been talking for a while, so I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. My pleasure.